Wow. What an opening. We talked about Rocky Balboa last week. I'm ready for a fight now. And, uh, and we are in a fight. We're talking about spiritual warfare this morning. And, um, and it's a serious thing. And we're in a battle. And uh, I'm ready to fight. And so I'm anxious to get to God's word with you this morning. Uh, just a quick uh, word of an announcement, really. Um, in your bulletin, you see the sermon notes. And I think we inadvertently put a few of the Aurora Campus sermon notes in the bulletin. So if you look in there and you see that uh, Travis Fleming is bringing the message this morning, that's not correct, all right? It's uh, Steve Lombardo. And you should be thankful for that, too. He's a lot more long-winded than I am. And so get rid of the Travis Fleming one. And if you need another outline, sermon outline, we got some ready to hand out. Just hold up your hand and uh, we'll get you the, the right one. There's one right there, a few down here. And we'll get you the right one as we get started this morning. Our new sermon series is entitled Invisible War, Winning Against Evil. And David Wood did a fantastic job on that video as we kick off today the first in a number of messages exposing the darkness, talking about winning against the evil one and his workers and his ways and the world. Just to kind of bring you behind closed doors as uh, the pastors meet each week, the preachers come together, and I'm thankful even though I don't preach each week, I get to be a part of this group. All of the campus pastors led by uh, Pastor Tim, by the way, if you're visiting here this morning, He's our regular preacher of God's Word. He's a lead pastor of preaching, Pastor Tim. He's a little guy, a little personality. Uh, come back and you'll get to meet him next week. And, uh, and so he leads the group as, as we get together. And we ask this question, God, what do the people of Village Bible Church need to hear from your Word about? Lord, what book of your Word should we go through verse by verse? Lord, what series should we bring to help people not just with their felt needs but the real spiritual needs of our body and uh, it's been a, a great thing to be a part of to see the Lord work in that as we uh, seek to, to bring really his word uh, to all of us together as a group as one church in four different places and we seek to grow together uh, in our faith and so this series came about as a real wrestling with um, what evil is. What's going on in the invisible world? We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the devil blinds the eyes of unbelievers so that they cannot see the glory of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I know that there are many here that come and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the devil wants you to stay an unbeliever. He wants your eyes to be blinded, and he's working to blind your eyes to the truth that you're a sinner, but that Jesus died for your sin. And if you would believe in him, turn to him by faith, you could have everlasting life. You could have your sins forgiven. You could have peace with God. But the devil doesn't want you to hear that message or to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, and so he's seeking to blind your eyes. If you're a believer, the devil seeks to oppress you and to... Uh, make you a Christian that is uh, not worth much of anything for the kingdom of God. To disable you, to distract you, to distort the truth so that you are ineffective as a Christian. And so we feel like we need to address this this summer. 
that we need to talk about the spirit world, that we can't be blind to what's going on in the heavenlies. Uh, Because even though we're getting more scientific, we're getting smarter, the spiritual world isn't going away. There's still evil. There are angels and demons in the spirit world. And they continue to increase in their activity of evil. I was looking through one of my old papers from seminary. And it was from a theology of the spirit world class. And the, the, the end of the year project, the paper that we had to write, was to address something in culture that had a spiritual significance. And then to answer a question about that. So a big question. So my question was, in then the over 160 year history of the Archdiocese of Chicago, the Catholic Church, in 2002 they appointed their first full-time exorcist. And it was hush-hush. Nobody knew anything about it until a couple years after it happened. And so my question was, why did they do that? And so my uh, quest for an answer led me to the Archdiocese downtown Chicago into a little library there. Uh, Some little old lady nuns helped me as we went through. They knew nothing about this. Went out to, uh, to a Catholic seminary in the northern suburbs and did some studies there. And uh, as I was doing this, I was having um, thoughts that this is like a movie, man. I'm getting into this. I'm investigating this. I'm going to find out who this exorcist is. He's going to grant me an interview and then maybe even take me along on an exorcism. Uh, that didn't happen. But what was amazing, I did find the office, the charismatic renewal of the Catholic Church. He's got his offices there. Didn't get the chance to meet him, but here's the whole paper boiled down to this. The reason why they appointed this exorcist was because for the past 10 years leading up to it, the calls for assistance for exorcism, possession, demonic oppression had increased dramatically over those 10 years, and they needed to do something to address the problem, and so they appointed this priest as a full-time exorcist. Things are not getting better in society. Uh, Evil is active, and evil will grow until one day the Lord Jesus Christ himself will put a stop and put an end to it. But until that day, we're involved in this battle. What does the average person think about the spirit world? What do you think about the spirit world? Have Have you given much thought to it? Well, I took this question about the spirit world, and I thought, I'm just going to go to Walmart, and I'm going to ask some people what they think about it, and I'm going to record it and uh, show it today. So we're going to take a look at it. It's a little bit shaky because I didn't have a selfie stick. I just had my hand. And and as I got there, my wife told me that she witnessed uh, two grown men fighting there just a couple weeks ago, and one pulled the knife, so I'm nervous, so I'm shaking a little bit, okay, at Walmart. But besides that, let's see what a couple guys have to say. I am walking into Walmart, my Village Bible Church t-shirt. There's Walmart. And we'll see if we can't uh, find some folks to answer a couple questions. How are you doing today, sir? Good, how are you? Good. So, you can say your name and uh, what you consider yourself to be uh, religiously. Uh, yeah, my name is Dave, and uh, I'm uh, I'm Catholic. 
Okay. So as a Catholic, do you believe in uh, that there's a spirit world, like there's an unseen world that we don't see, but it's real? Or, I, or not? I believe, that, I believe there's a God, uh, but I believe he has a hands-off attitude. Okay. Yeah. So there is spiritual God. There's spiritual beings too, maybe, but they don't have anything to do with our world? Well, no, they, 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 I believe God does not interfere, and that's a good thing that he doesn't interfere because people will start blaming him if there's something wrong, you know. Uh, people will get spoiled, you know. People will curse God for not giving him a BMW for a birthday, you know. So, so I believe he has a hands-off attitude uh, if, 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 if God intervened, uh, you know, man would not learn to not stick his head in, inside a lion's mouth. You know? so. What about like angels and demons and stuff like that? Uh, What's your thoughts I guess, there? I guess there has to be, yeah, there has to be angels and demons. But they don't affect? I, I, I believe they have, they have a hands-off attitude. Just, okay. Just let things go. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate your time. Okay, there we go. Welcome. Go ahead, Ralph. Hey, my name's Ralph. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Good. Hey, uh, I see you got Captain Crunch in there, by the way. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a great cereal. That's for the wife. Okay. Hey, I'm asking today, uh, first, well, what, do you consider yourself a Christian or a non-Christian? Well, I'm a Catholic. You're Catholic? Mm-hmm. So what do you think about this? Is there a spirit world? Is there a spiritual realm that we can't see? Oh, I'm sure there's, well, obviously we can't see it yeah. because we're down here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I believe there is. Like um, angels and demons, do you believe in that? I don't. I don't believe in demons. I don't think there is anything like that. Okay. Uh, that's just me personally. Everybody says, yeah, there is, you know. But I said, no, there's not because there's got to be a better place than this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I don't think anything can get really worse yeah, than absolutely. where we're at right now. What do you think about Jesus? So, um, I believe in the man. Yeah. I do. Um, I, you know, like I said, I have my doubts. Yep. But there's always, what, what can I say? How can I, how can I put it? Um, you always wonder in the back of your head, is there something really, really there? You know? Yeah. So I'm assuming, yeah, there's got to be something there. Okay. So, I mean, I, my mom passed away when I was a little kid. She went somewhere, you know, so I plan on seeing her again. That's great. So, yeah, we do have hope in Jesus. He, oh, yeah. He died for us and rose again so we could have eternal life. And This is true. Thanks, Ralph. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, sir. All right. So there you see um, just a couple of answers. There was one more that the audio was so bad that I, I didn't put it on there, but um, he expressed... Uh, pretty much essentially the same thing as uh as both these guys that one believed in the spirit world but both really didn't think they had anything to do with this world and then after i stopped filming this other one he said uh i said thank you and he said what do you believe and as a pastor you dream of those type i mean that's just that's a fastball right down the middle you know so so we talked about jesus for like 15 minutes there at walmart and uh so what is spiritual warfare? Most people believe in one or two extremes. The first one is, is this, that's, that there are spirits that control all aspects of our world. Okay? 
this would be the worldview that there's a devil behind every bush, okay? That uh, even Christians can have this. I was so thankful. I, I went to Walmart, and I was driving around, and God sent his angels, and they opened up a parking spot for me right up front. And it's a belief that these the spirits are just controlling everything that we do. And then there's the other extreme. This extreme um, says that there's no such thing as a spiritual realm. Another way of saying this for this worldview is that I only believe what I see. I only believe in what I can see. Both of these uh, aren't biblical. And I would think, I haven't been here so long at Village Bible Church, but I would say we would have a tendency to go to this side, which would say um, that there's a spirit world, but it doesn't really affect me. Would you agree? That we... If we're asked about it, and we're Christians, we've been Christians for some time, we believe in, in the spirit world, but really on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis, we're not thinking about the war that we're in. Spiritual warfare, let's define it like this this morning. Spiritual warfare is a war of rebellion against the rebellion. Spiritual warfare is a war of rebellion against the rebellion. And here's what I mean. God created all that there is, and it was good. But we chose to sin. And we sinned, and we rebelled against God. And then all of, uh, really, the world is rebelling against this good and gracious and righteous and holy God. And there's evil in this world. And there's sickness in this world. And it's all a rebellion against God and who He is. The devil rebelled against God. He wanted to ascend to His throne This rebellion is all over the place. And so now as a Christian, as a believer, you've joined the rebellion against the rebellion as a kingdom person. Tennessee, at the start of the Civil War, the Confederate States rebelled against the Union. They succeeded from the Union. Tennessee also was with them. East Tennessee succeeded from Tennessee they became the rebellion against the rebellion. That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what the spiritual warfare that you're involved with is. It is rebelling against all that is around us. And you think about the world in which we live and how God is not honored. We're rebelling against that. We're rebelling against evil. And so today I invite you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. And this is our spiritual food for the, the morning, 2 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 8. I invite you to stand as we read God's word together. 2 Kings chapter 6, start at verse 8. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me of who of, of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom 
And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And then it was told to him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. And I pray that you would be our teacher here this morning, that the significance of the fight that we're in would be driven home. That, Holy Spirit, you would convict us of our sin, that we would be right with you, and that we would be on fire for you to live for you and to do battle against all evil in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we know the, the end. You've told us that, that you win. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your coming victory. But until that day, strengthen us for the fight, we pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to give you three truths about this war that we're in. The first one is this, that God is in control. That God is in control. See, the king of Syria, he's seeking to fight against Israel. And he, and he has these plans that he makes, where to send his army, where to go. And it seems as though Israel is always beating him to the punch. And he says to his servant, uh, who's on Israel's side. And the servant says, there's nobody here that's on Israel's side. Uh, the, the secret is, the answer is, is that it's Elisha. That God tells Elisha what's going on before it happens. That he knows the words you speak in your bedroom. That means that Elisha knows all that's going on. God knows all that's going on even before you do, O king of Syria. God is in control. God is in control. As we look through this whole series that we're beginning, we must never lose sight of the fact that we might have plans, that the evil one might have plans as well. But God is sovereign. God is on the throne. God wins the day. I, I played baseball, and I remember uh, one game in college that... Um, they, they were hitting me more than, than normal. They hit me pretty good anyway, but they were hitting me more than normal on this game. Come to find out, the other coach was stealing the signs from the catcher. He could see the signs from the side. And then he was giving a sign to the hitter. And so they were just waiting until the fastball came, and then they'd wear back and give it a rip. And um, this is what's going on here. The Syrian king is trying to uh, surprise Israel, trying to get the upper hand, and God's in control, and God knows what's going to happen before it even happens. He's one step ahead. God is in control. God has been in control since the very beginning. We go back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. We see in creation, God was in control, and all was good. Man sinned, man rebels against God, and still God is in control. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 14 and 15, God is uh, condemning the serpent, which is really Satan, our ancient foe. 
and he condemns the serpent, and then he says that there's coming a day when the offspring of Eve will crush the serpent's head. He says about the serpent, you'll bruise his heel, but he, Jesus, will crush your head. Even back in the garden, God is in control. There's the cross. There's Jesus in the very beginning. God is never not in control. As we talk about spiritual warfare, we want to get away from this idea that there's a good versus evil, that it's a God against the devil and there are two forces fighting against one another. I think we have a picture of uh, Jesus and the devil, and sometimes we have a, an idea that it's kind of like an arm wrestling match with Jesus on one side and the devil on the other side. Do we have that picture? And, uh, and they're equal and they're fighting one another. And who's going to win? No, that, that's not the case whatsoever. God is in control. He is the victor. He is the one that wins. In Job chapter 1 and 2, we see behind uh, the scenes view of the spirit world. And Job comes before God, or the devil comes before God. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Have you, have you considered him Really, uh, Satan, what he was doing was challenging God, and he was saying, nobody can love you, God, unless you do stuff for them. Nobody can just love you for who you are. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Have you tried Job? Have you seen if he's faithful or not? And Satan says, God, I mean, you know this, you've put a hedge around him. You've protected him. And you can almost hear God saying, oh, that's right, Satan. You can't do anything without my permission. Martin Luther, he called the devil, he said the devil is God's devil. The devil's on a leash. God is in control. And he never loses control. You'll never come to a place in your life, a place so dark that God, God's light is not there, a place where you cannot find him, a place where he is not in control, no matter how dark the day is. And maybe some of you are in that day right now. You'll never get to a place where God's not in control. Even in the hard times, as Keith prayed, we prayed for the Fatormas, and uh, this past week in the hospital when the doctor's coming and they're talking about the news and the diagnosis, and I remember Thomas saying, we're just trusting God. We're just trusting God. Grief, pain, yes. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, I believe God is in control. He'll see me through. He'll take care of me in the end. Secondly, we are surrounded by adversaries. We're, we are surrounded by adversaries. Um, you see this. The king says of Syria, okay, so if Elisha's the problem, we've got to take Elisha out. So let's go get Elisha. So he sends his army to this city, Dothan, 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 and the horses and chariots and a great army, and they come by night, and they surround the city. We are surrounded by adversaries. A couple of years ago, uh, the, the Bears, Chicago Bears, 
uh, lost a playoff game to the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, and we happened to be in Wisconsin Dells for that game. We were at a restaurant that had a bowling alley in it, and we were there, and the place was packed with Packers fans wearing Packers jerseys, and my, our family were about the only ones che- cheering for the Chicago Bears, and, and the Bears lost. The last second pass, they lost, and, and the whole place was cheering, and everybody was on fire. And I remember uh, one of my sons, uh, he was crying, he was sad about that, and uh, we were all kind of sad, but we were surrounded by the enemy, the Packers. Now listen, um, we're surrounded by the enemy here too, but it's not a sporting event. It's real life, it's eternity, and you have an eternal soul that Satan wants to be damaged and hurt forever as a Christian, so you're ineffective for the kingdom. You have an eternal soul if you're not a believer, and Satan wants to keep your eyes blinded so you don't find the truth of forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus Christ and the hope of heaven and the hope of glory and keep you blinded to that. And this is a real battle, and there's enemies all around us who are our enemies. We're going to be talking about this in the weeks to come. It's, it's the world, the culture that we find ourselves in. The world is, is our enemy. Then it's our flesh, even inside ourselves. Even as believers, our own flesh is our enemy. We can't even trust ourselves many times. And then the enemy of our souls, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, Scripture says. These are our enemies, and they're surrounding us. I was just thinking of practical places that we even see our enemies today. They they don't want to be seen as enemies in our culture, but they're there. Um. Stephanie Meyer wrote the Twilight series of books that became the hit movies. I'm not a legalist, I, I, but, but I want to point to truth. And so she wrote the Twilight series because of a dream she had, a recurring dream she had of an ancient vampire who wanted to fall in love. He was in love with a young girl, but couldn't be in that relationship because he wanted to drink her blood and kill her. And she wrote the Twilight series from that dream. Stephanie Meyer is a Mormon. Mormonism started when Joseph Smith said he was visited by an angel named Moroni in the night who came and revealed where these ancient plates were that told the story of Jesus Christ coming to the Americas. Coincidence? Spiritual, the spiritual world is real. And we're surrounded by enemies. And the devil masquerades as an angel of light, the scriptures say. It's just a book. It's just a movie. Oh, that God would give us discernment as we seek to stay clear of our enemy, or to do battle with him. The internet. The internet is, is so amazing. The information that we have, many of us, right at our hands right now, you got your phones and you can, you can find things that would take months of research years ago. So many benefits to, to what we have. I remember three years ago, though, being in a library, public library, and the five-year-old kid next to me looking at porn. And I said, what are you looking at? Turn that off. And he just looked at me and laughed. 
We are surrounded by enemies. We are in a battle. So what do our adversaries try to do to us? We know here in the story, they're surrounding, they're trying to get Elisha. We've got to get Elisha because he's God's man. He's helping the nation of Israel. We've got to get him, we've got to capture him, we've got to take him. What are, what are our adversaries trying to do to us? What are the spiritual forces that are around us? What's the, the world, our flesh, the devil? What are they trying to do? I jotted down this. To distract from and to distort the truth. To distract from and to distort the truth. And it goes back to the father of lies, Satan himself. Genesis chapter 3 begins with the serpent coming to Adam and Eve, and he says, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of any tree? And, and then she says, Eve, what God really says, that you're not to eat from the, uh, uh, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's already distorting, and he's distracting away from the truth. That's the enemy of our souls. And he wants to distort and de- de- detract you from truth this morning. He wants to oppress you. We're going to be talking about this in the days to come with uh, demonic oppression. Demonic possession. They're real things. There's a story in the New Testament where seven brothers go to cast out a demon. Seven sons of Sceva. And they go in to cast out a demon out of this person and they get beat up. These guys get beat up. They're trying to cast out the demon in, in, the, in the name of Paul. Trying to cast out the demon in other names. And they're not listening. The demon says, um, I've, I've heard of Paul. I don't know who you guys are. And then he, produce, he proceeds to beat the living daylights out of the brothers. And it says in the, in the text that the seven of them run out of the house naked. You know you lost a fight when you're running away naked, okay? That's a bad thing. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Here's Elisha and his servant. And they're there. What should they do? Should they flee? Should they run away? Should we flee? Should we run away? Should we start our own communities? Should we, should we become Amish? Should we lock our kids away? How, what are we to do? Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 7, says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Warfare. Resistance. Rebellion. You're the rebellion against the rebellion that's going on in our country, in our world, in this place. And so, resist him. How do we resist the devil? Number one, we flee from sin. Flee from sin. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But for you, O man of God, flee these things that he lists all these sins. Flee these things and then put on the righteousness. And he goes on to list those things. So, so we flee from sin. We don't uh, indulge ourselves and our sin nature in these things. We run away from them. 
And then number two, we deal with sin that happens. We deal with sin that, that happens. Scriptures tell us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We deal with it, and we deal with it quickly. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, Paul is writing, and he says this, uh, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And if you do, then you give the enemy of our souls a foothold. That means when you sin and you don't deal with it, or even when you let your anger, and you're not sinning yet, but you let your anger fester, the devil comes in and gets a foothold in it, and he can make something out of it. Easiest way for me, because I'm married, maybe most of you here are married. If you're not, uh, that's okay. I think you can identify with this. But in a re- marriage relationship, if there's anger in, in your marriage, and you don't deal with that, the devil gets in there, and he's got a foothold now. And you haven't dealt with this thing, and it's kind of hanging out there. And the devil can use it to drive a wedge in between a husband and wife. And when we have sin in our life, and we allow it to hang on and be around, the devil can use it. Because he's called the accuser of the brethren. And here's how he uses it. you got unconfessed sin in your life. The devil comes and says, you call yourself a Christian? Look what's in your life. You're a dirty low-down, good-for-nothing person. You're filled with sin. You're hopeless and helpless, and that's how he accuses. And if you have unconfessed sin in your life, and it's sitting there, then he's got some power, doesn't he? But when you confess your sins, when you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And so when the devil comes and he accuses us, we say, my sin is crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. Devil, you have no power over me. We have adversaries all around us, but we're called to fight. And fighting begins with resistance. Flee from sin. Deal with sin. So God's in control. We're surrounded by adversaries. And then finally, number three, we are accompanied by allies. We're accompanied by allies. Verse 15 through 17 of our text in 2 Kings. And this is amazing, brothers and sisters. Let me me just read this again. What happens then? So they're surrounded. And the servant is a young servant, young guy. He's like, alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha says, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the young servant, you can just imagine, he's looking around. Elisha, it's me and you. There's people all around us. What what do you mean by that? And then Elisha prays, Lord, please open his eyes that that he may see. The Lord opened his eyes. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You're not alone. First, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. And secondly, there are angelic forces who God is in control of, who sends to aid his people. Elisha is here, and he's with the young man, and they're down, and they're, they're, ready, to, they're ready to be taken, and, and, uh, but Elisha knows better. 
who's on the Lord's side this morning. If you're on the Lord's side, know this, you're never alone. In the weeks to come, we're going to be looking at the adversaries, three main ones. The Holy Spirit, first, the Lord inside you. He's the one that lives in you. He's the one that provides his power and presence and protection. And then the church. The church is part of uh, the team, our allies. And then thirdly, we're going to look at angels. That's all coming up. But let me ask this question. How do our allies help us? We talked about how adversaries hurt us. How do allies help us? First, the Spirit of God is inside us. And he empowers us and he strengthens us for the fight to resist the devil. We cannot resist on our own, but it's only through God's strength and might that we resist. We're going to be talking about putting on the whole armor of God that he provides for us. Secondly, the church, God's people, come alongside you in the hard times. I read a story of a lady, Christian family, and for the husband's 40th birthday, uh, the, the wife and two kids got him a, uh, a ticket for a ride in a hot air balloon. And so this was on a Saturday, and they went, and the dad got in the hot air balloon with the instructor. Mom and kids were on the ground. They watched the balloon go up, and there was a, a, a fire, caught fire to the balloon, and they came crashing down to the, their death. Horrible, horrible tragedy that happened. The next Sunday, uh, that family, mom and kids, were in church. It was some years later at a Bible study that somebody brought that up and said, you know, I've never asked this question, but how in the world could you have come to church right after your husband died? And she said, because I knew at church there would be people who understood, who would understand my grief. But I also knew that there would be people there who understood my joy. That's the church. People who come alongside in the hard times. People who know that there is grief and there's pain, but that's not the whole story. There's salvation and joy in the Lord and there's the hope of heaven. I can tell you numerous stories of people who have lost loved ones and I've been with them and through the pain and through the tears and the hard times, they're able to have joy in the Lord as God's people come alongside and love on them and help them, God gives us these allies. And then angels, we're going to look at what these angels do as God's messengers of hope and protection. You, my friend, are in a fight. Jesus was tempted by the devil. You will be tempted by the devil. You're part of the rebellion against the rebellion in this world. Don't be blind to it. But engage yourself in it and resist the devil as you resist him. He will flee. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. First, that you call us to be on your team, um, the winning team. Thank you that you give us strength to do battle against all of our adversaries. And I pray, Lord, that you could open up our spiritual eyes just as that servant's eyes were open to see all the army, the your army around, that we could see your army around us. Lord, that you would strengthen us in our spirit to stand against the devil, to flee from sin, to deal with sin in our life. 
thank you that you allow us to do this with one another here in this church. So we give you thanks uh, for saving us and for calling us to be your uh, people, your missionaries here right where we live. Lord, I pray for uh, Dave and Ralph on the video. Lord, that you would save them and uh, bring them the joy of salvation in your son. And I pray that for each one in this room, Lord, that you'd open the eyes that Satan's trying to blind and that you would strengthen us for the fight that we are involved in. And we give you praise. And it's in your beautiful name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.